corner of the comic book podcasting universe. I am the newsprint commando, Ed Moore, or Teal Productions, depending on where you're looking for me. Going to be talking about the second volume of Nexus, issue one from Capital Comics, dated May 1983. If you want to send me any feedback about this or any other thoughts that you may have, Teal Productions has a Facebook page where I post the episodes. On Twitter, Teal Productions is the best way to get a hold of me and probably the quickest way overall. I am IndieMan at gmail.com. Indie is I-N-D-I-E is the email address and the website comicbooknoise.com slash T-N-C. Tango November Charlie T-N-C. So, the second volume of Nexus, issue one. We're looking at about seven or eight months difference from, or, or the time span between the third issue of the first volume and the first issue of the second volume. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, that first volume was black and white magazine size, quarterly publication, roughly. They didn't come out necessarily quarterly. Uh, this new volume is supposed to be color, a little bit smaller, bi-monthly, and it's on Baxter paper. So already my newsprint concept is kind of skewing there a little bit, but I'm going to stick with it because it's what I wanted to call the show, the website, and these are the books I want to talk about. So those two things just go hand in hand. Again, my little corner of the podcasting universe. Now this issue can be found in reprints in Nexus Legends uh, that first comics put out in 1989, the first issue of that, uh, May 1989, actually. The eponymously named Nexus volume from Dark Horse Comics, issue number one, that came out in 1993. Did I say first comics Legends? That's 1989. I'm sorry. May 1989. 19, not 1993, if that's what I said. I don't remember now. Moving on. Also, Nexus Archives from Dark Horse Comics, uh, the first volume of that, which came out in November of 2005, cover dated 2006. So we pick up pretty much from where the first volume left off. Uh, well, first, let's, let's talk about this cover. This cover is another painted cover by Steve Rude. Uh, front and back covers form one diptych. D-I-P-T-Y-C-H, diptych, for those of you that have never heard that. Um, but I think it really is two scenes back-to-back -back because the scenes are of very similar rooms. Uh, one has Nexus looking up at the several floating heads, while in the background there's a hexagonal. One, two, three, four, five, six, right? It's a pen hexagonal six sides uh, door open with uh, a character in the background in black because the hallway is illuminated in red uh, approaching seemingly approaching holding a sword and in the back page are some more heads floating around bothering Sundra Peel uh, who also has in the background a door open with a female uh, that we will come across here in the story outlined in black as its hallway is illuminated in red as well. The first content page is an editorial and it has uh, the indicia on it as well. Several drawings of Dave and Nexus and Sundra and Judah who we will learn about here shortly. 
Recap, the time is 500 years hence. Humanity has spread across the galaxy, encountering alien races intelligent and otherwise. Nexus was unknown until he began to appear at the fringes of human civilization, obliterating mass murderers who had long since thought themselves beyond the reach of any law. Nexus' power is vast and inexplicable, engendering keen interest. Between missions, he lives a life of seclusion on the mysterious moon of Ilum. At Nexus' invitation, many political and religious fugitives have made Ilum their home. Nexus' life began to change with the arrival of Sundra Peel, who claimed to be a reporter from an Earth-based news agency. She was the first to see the torment of the man behind the mask. He told her of his life, his notorious father, General Theodore Helppop, his birth on Ilum, the acquisition of his powers, and the painful dreams that accompanied them. Sundra and Nexus became lovers. We do not yet know whether they have fallen in love. Suda Leberk, a scheming mining official, offers Nexus a deal. If Nexus would kill the director Zypher Mird, Zuda would end Nexus' excruciating dreams. Confronted with the abject Zypher, Nexus relented, leaving Suta holding the bag. Furious, Suda struck a deal with the slave trader Clausius, who offered unlimited fusion energy supplied by hundreds of thousands of slave ESP units. Decapitated heads kept alive on drugs and shock therapy. Suda confidently challenged Nexus to a duel. They fought. Nexus destroyed Suda, freed the heads, and brought them to Idlum. And that is a pretty quick recap of the entire first volume. Three issues there. We open up, again, in full color, with Nexus having a conversation with several of the heads um, sitting on shelves, but many of them are floating around, I guess, due to their ESP power, or perhaps due to the, uh, the collar, the base that the heads are sitting on to allow them some mobility around Ilum. Either way, they're upset, and because they're upset, they're swishing and zishing around they want Suta LeBurk dead. No, no, that's what one of them says. The quote-unquote leader says, no, they want Clausius dead. Clausius the slaver. Because he ultimately is the one responsible for their predicament. Which we find out really is not the case either. Because someone else claimed the heads, supplied them to Clausius, who sold them to LeBurk. Nexus calms them and says, you know, look, I, I don't like, I don't agree, I am empathetic for what happened to you, but it's not my responsibility, as he leaves the room where they're at here. Tyrone then follows him in to uh, follow up and, and see to their needs and things like that. Nexus and Sundra and Dave are sitting down here. Dave still has concerns about how Suda found out about Nexus's dream, and he is pursuing the avenue that there's a spy and they need to do something to root out the spy. Well, Nexus isn't having any of that because this is a sanctuary for people that have been beaten down. And the last thing he wants to do is to start collecting information and, and tracking them and categorizing them and doing all these things that essentially were done in whatever situation they have found themselves extricated from. You know, in escaping, he doesn't want them to go back to anything resembling the situation that they were in. He wants to give them, maintain as much absolute freedom for them as he can. So, n no, basically, he says. A couple things happen here simultaneously. Let's see. The first 
is that the Earth sense, well, not the Earth, but the inner, uh, the cohesive web is what they're calling it, based on Earth, Earth as a member, sends an ambassador, Ursula XX Emata, to speak to Nexus about some unfortunate goings-on of uh, stars in his locale that they have noted. And they think that they're, well, the, the stars are, are being extinguished. And they think it's connected to Nexus's using his power, that when he, he does... It must draw power, must draw energy from the stars, and thus uh, puts them out, destroys them. So she is going to speak to Nexus on behalf of this cohesive web. Meanwhile, Nexus and Sundra are going on a vacay to Earth. Um, so they're here at the Riot Regency House. Not Hyatt, mind you, but Riot. So as they're eating dinner, we see a couple gentlemen over here to the side that are also enjoying dinner. Suddenly, Judah breaks in, fries one person. Uh, we're not exactly sure how yet, but it turns out, I believe, it's an energy emitted from his person through his hand. But this is the appearance of Judah McCabe, and he exclaims, Lothar the Diphonate or Diphonate, I'm cashing in your chips. This is the gentleman that physically supplied the heads to Clausius, who then sold the heads in mass as a giant battery to Suda LeBurk. So Judah is attempting to avenge those heads by killing Lothar. Just as he's about to deliver the death blow, Nexus steps up and stops him. They talk back and forth. Judah uh, finds out that this is Nexus, and he's heard about Nexus, and worships him, and has patterned what he does after what Nexus does. And so because of all that, Nexus feels that he's responsible, so he calls Judah down, and they leave together. But as they're leaving, Judah turns and ultimately kills Lothar anyways. So now they leave, go to Lothar's place, which is here on Earth somewhere, talk a little bit more, um, and find out that Lothar is the son of Dave, the um, valet that Nexus has, or whatever he's going to turn out to be, his number two there on Ilum. So we cut to Ilum, and Tyrone is leading his little misfit group here of people dissatisfied with the speed with which Nexus is revenging them, or avenging them, I guess you could say. So they have demands, Tyrone and his group, including a ship and weapons and supplies so that they can go off and they can exact the revenge that they feel they deserve themselves, rather than relying on Nexus, who uh, apparently is not going to deliver it at all, truth be told. So Dave tells them, um, yeah, sure. Stuff's over there, you know, ship's over here. Gather whatever you need, take off. But um, Nexus isn't going to like it. So, I mean, he, you know, he may stop you, but really, I don't care. Do do what you're going to do. See ya. So they take off, get ready to do their thing. At this point, Ursula arrives there at Ilum. Dave uh, tries to hold her off, but really he has no no way of doing that. So he tells her to, you know, come on down. Bring a small party. We'll talk about it, figure out what it is you need, and I'll set up an appointment with Nexus, who, uh, by the way, is not here right now. So not sure when he'll be back, if he'll be back, but I, I know he's not here now. 
course, Dave knows he's just being the the good um, block man, you know, the the good proprietor of all things Nexus, and he's holding that information a little close to the chest. Before leaving Earth, uh, Nexus communicates with Dave, and Dave realizes that Judah is with him. So he now is expecting his son to come home with Nexus and Sundra. They arrive. Ursula is there waiting for them. Immediately, it seems, we have a conference between Ursula, some of her people, Nexus, Sundra, Dave, and Judah. Uh, Lo and behold, everybody's there. She indicates what the EarthGov and the organization... Um, yeah, I didn't write it down, whose name I have completely forgotten now, has apparently made between Nexus using his powers and the going out of these suns. Nexus asks how they arrived at that conclusion, and she's not really able to give them, you know, any kind of firm, well, we measured or anything like that. All circumstantial, seemingly, circumstantial evidence. So that that conversation goes nowhere. Nexus says, well, you know, um, I'll think about it. We'll you know, put our heads together here on Island, see what we can do. You can just chill and hang out here. He's very nonchalant about most everything going on. Case in point, he now goes to talk to Tyrone, who is outfitting the ship. Uh, Several people here, they're gathering supplies. They have their weapons and everything. Nexus asks him, Tyrone, what are you doing? Where are you going? Tyrone tells him, you know, dissatisfied with what you're doing. We're going to take care of it. Nexus is like, okay. Take the ship, do whatever you want to do, that's fine. But um, leave the laser cannon, the uh, the photon torpedoes, the particle beam generator, and uh, the antimatter propeller behind, because I'm not going to supply your wars. Dave gets upset, starts arguing, we need these things to survive. And in the midst of this, Judah arrives with one of the floating heads, and the head tells Tyrone that his part of Tyrone's little group, the floating head group, is going to go with Judah because Judah has been specially trained to be able to handle the TKN energy. And so he is going to be the weapon that they will use that they need, not any physical weapons from Nexus. So it's like, well, you know, Nexus, you can keep your weapons because we've got one of our own. Tyrone tries to argue with them, no avail. So they're going to take off the floating heads with Judah to avenge themselves against Clausius. Tyrone is left holding the you're not good enough bag, as it were, uh, along with the uh, bipedal full-bodied members of his little resistance group here, his revolutionary group. Uh, being um, re- receiving what succor he can from his little group, you know, they're over here in the corner with the there there conversation going on. So we cut back to a confrontation between Ursula and Sundra. Sundra was sent at the behest of Ursula's people to find out what she could about Nexus. Well, we saw in the first series that she threw that down because she developed feelings for him and wasn't going to seemingly betray him in that manner. So Ursula and Sundra are having a conversation here, and in the midst of this conversation, oddly enough, Ursula exclaims, you've fallen in love with him, haven't you? Just out of nowhere, which, I mean, is uh, may or may not be true. I mean, she has developed feelings. We have seen that, but nothing anywhere indicates to anybody else outside that that is the case. So where Ursula dug this up, I don't know. 
But she tells Sundra, well, be that as it may, you've not done what you were supposed to do here. You're um, relieved. We'll be putting you under house arrest and shipping you back to Earth. Sundra tells Ursula, don't do anything goofy. And Ursula tells Sundra, stay out of my way. Using one of her entourage, Ursula hooks herself up to the main computer there for Nexus. A little bit of uh, hijacking, net hacking, as you were. And is asking questions that the computer... I guess the computer has a higher level of intelligence because of the amount of information that it contains. But it, it revolts against the questions she's asking. And the console, I think, destroys itself to keep from giving out any of the information she's asking. She is hurt in the process and finds herself in the infirmary. We then have uh, one, two, three, four, five panels involving Tyrone swimming around in the lake in the forest section of Ilum, scaring one of the children and getting smacked on the head with a swimming fin. I, I don't I don't get that. And then we have a scene, a, a panel that is a week later, where Sundra has caught up with Nexus or with Horatio. She uses his, his given name, Horatio. As he's in his archaeological room on Ilum, uh, she comes down to, to grab him for a meeting. So... Turns out that Judah has returned from his campaign, I guess, against Clausius. And Horatio, Sundra, and Dave are all here to meet him. So Judah comes out of the ship, and his ship, and we find out that his head is missing, and it's been replaced um, by some energy-emitting contraption here, possibly as a inside method of attacking Nexus. Uh, his body seems to be the, the armor that he is wearing, is slightly torn up, maybe bullet holes or energy holes, something of that nature. Uh, the method by which he was killed, perhaps. But Nexus is able to hold him at bay and, and puts him in some sort of stasis. And then tells everyone to get a ship ready, to get my uniform ready, because I'm going after Clausius. And that's, that's where our story ends. We have an ad for on the next page for The Badger which is going to be a new book coming up in another two or three issues of Nexus. For the next little while, Nexus will be the only book Capital is publishing, but it will eventually expand to three total uh, IPs that they produce books for. Also on this page is an ad for the next issue of Nexus, Nexus 2, coming in April. So this was May 1983, and this says April, so... The dates are off somewhere. I'll have to check into that. Next page is a page of the black and white series that was used to show the map of Ilum, both a three-quarter um, or a um, orthographic, not orthographic, a angled view. Um, yeah, once again, the word for that is escaping me. And I deal with those types of aerial photographs all the time at work. Um Oblique. That was the word I was trying to think of. We have an oblique view of the base itself, showing many of the different rooms on the base. And then we have an overhead or an ortho um, angle showing the different rooms of uh, the main section, I guess, because there is the access from above and then there's the quarters and archaeological dig below. 
So this is an ortho of the main, the main level where everyone else is except for Nexus and Sundra. We have a fan club ad here for a couple pages. One is a nice picture of all kinds of goofy stuff. Yeah. And then the next page is the explanation of what you get, how much it is, where to send it, a coupon for it, and the ability to order some other things. You can still get copies of uh, issues two and three of the first volume, not issue one. You can get this issue, the Color Nexus first issue. Uh, you can get a subscription for two through six, which presumably is the next year, uh, yearly subscription. You can get cassette tapes of the issue three soundtrack if you just want the sound from issue three, but you don't want issue three. I don't, uh, yeah, that struck me as kind of odd. And the next big thing, you can get the Nexus portfolio, which is a series of uh, six uh prints that were put together by Steve Rude to uh, to sell as a, a collection. And apparently that is what was mainly being worked on that accounted for the time span between the third issue of Volume 1 and the first issue of Volume 2. Next up, letters, pages. One, two, three pages, I think. Yeah, three pages of letters. Nothing really of note or really sticks out to me, except on the third letter page, about two-thirds of the page is taken by a color drawing of a character named Whisper, who's going to be by Steve Grant and Rich Lawson. That will be the third and final IP that Capital produces books about. Nexus was first, then Badger, and then Whisper. Badger ultimately is going to have four issues come out from Capital. Whisper, only two issues. So <laughs> each time they brought out another character it was shorter and shorter lived um that just the nature of how the business went for them i suppose so so i think that's pretty much everything uh that i thought to say both on paper in my notes and off the top of my head next episode will be volume two issue two of nexus soon we'll be getting to badger um Badger will be between, oh, I'll be talking about Badger between issues three and four of this volume of Nexus. So it's it's coming up here in another couple episodes. As I continue talking my way through the books produced by Capital Comics, Nexus, Badger, and Whisper, accounting for, I think, about 15 different books. So hang in there, guys. I hope that, you know, you're enjoying this to some extent. Let me know to what extent, if you are, if you're not, anything that you would like to see me do differently <laughs> to quit podcasting at all perhaps you know whatever and we'll see i'll talk about it share it and see what i can do to accommodate talk to you guys next time out ciao